dress. Yeah, but you wouldn't normally dress smart. As a lumberjack. I was going to say. You've been logging. It's very casual. I thought you were going. You're it's, going out, it's out very later. Like I told you, it costs ten pounds. Ten pounds it cost me this shirt. Where from? From from a charity shop. <laughs> no, it would have been less. Than that a was almost shop. as good as what Ch- as Chinch's criticism when when Hugh said the shirt cost him ten pounds. Just Chinch went for how many? Because <laughs> <laughs> he's a footballer and thus does banter. <laughs> he does banter. Ex-footballer. He also has loads of money. What? But even then, he's he's essentially brought to you by a major high street brand, isn't he? <laughs> he is with his. Have we turned this round? <laughs> wasn't there some complaints about me getting yeah, baited? There, we have had quite a lot with of complaints actually. about how, how we, we should be nicer of, to you. Lots of complaints. The poor vulnerable form of football are getting picked on by the weedy self-deprecating. That's my problem. It's always been my problem. That point, by the way, was made by somebody who is known to all of us. So Is that right? Yeah, so he was obviously being sarcastic and absolutely loves the baiting that Chinch gets. Oh, is that right? I didn't realise that. Mate, I was just, re- I was just replying without paying attention. one of colleagues at the BBC, Mark McGregor, who used to play football with us. Oh, that, yeah, sorry. I, th- yeah, there was two messages that came in at the same time. Yeah, yeah. That. He was the one who says, leave Ch- Chinch alone. Did Mark McGregor play football while I was playing football? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so, yeah. What ginger-haired fella, Scottish? That's Alex McLeish. <laughs> ginger-haired fella quite Scottish a lot of Scottish That's actually people. true, yes. yes basically yes. synonyms anyway, to be honest. So how many people have actually said that I'm getting uh, overly baited? Three. Mark McGregor. Yes. You and... I've not else. said anything. I love it. <laughs> you and your wife. I love you three baiting me. Regularly. We, f- we feel like it brings out the best in you. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh. I feel like the only way that you can ever have a conversation is if we take you back to the dressing room atmosphere, mm-hmm. where essentially the only conversation that you have yeah, amongst you three, is to bait each you other. You three would be eaten alive by Martin Keown. Quite <laughs> literally. The other um, contact we've had on Twitter regarding you is someone sending us pictures of England team coins from yes. above. The, the kind of stuff you used to get in a petrol station. Yes, oh, yes. The I think I have one. Packet. The first one they sent me, which one. was was supposed to be a picture of you, looked an awful lot like Gaza. They wanted to know how much it was worth. I said, well, if it was actually, if it actually was Gaza, it would be worth a heck of a lot more than than Andy Hinchcliffe coins. No, there's surely, there's fewer Hinchcliffe England coins than Gaza coins. Gaza was in loads of squads. I think there's probably one. No, I did have it. It was like an SO petrol station collection where it has like a cardboard and it's got like circle cutouts and the the coins sit in. I'm sure I have one somewhere. It was like panini stickers for growing ups, wasn't it? Yeah, but coins, what would be, why? They did what? it in the 90s. It was yeah, the 90s. That's right. It, it was, was for the, uh, It was New Labour. It we was were for the World Cup. Cu- yeah, it's the World Cup <laughs> I never went to. I dreamt of having a coin like that. But you also mm. get little figurines that you would oh, collect yes. tokens for in oh, the back yes. of a cornflakes packet. Mm. With extra plastic for the... Oh, yeah. We've, we've, had, we've, had had people sending us, we've had people sending us pictures of the, the Hinchcliffe uh, mini figurines yes. as well. But I don't think I had a bobblehead. Bobbleheads Come obviously along. existed, but I reckon that the, the first football ones wouldn't have been until about 2002, 2004. Oh, I was long gone. This is another edition of Set Piece Menu, the podcast where four friends talk football over food. In keeping with our fairly consistent rotation so far, we have returned to the Hinchcliffe household for some proper food. Once again, Andy has had nothing to do with his preparation. Our first evening meal in Set Piece Menu history mm. has been once again provided for us by Nicky Hinchcliffe. As a person who has not contributed even a jot towards it. Would you like to, Andy, describe what your wife you know has how, provided us? Actually, it's worse than the last time because I didn't even go to the shops to buy the produce. When it was being doled that Nikki out, then cooked. 
you you were looking at it with such wonderment that it was not even a possible. Yeah, but sometimes people you've got to allow people to play to their strengths. My wife is an excellent cook and excellent disher upper. And you're good at watching people do those two things. The refined nature of the setting and the food will hopefully engender something of a more edifying conversation. That is a word that Rory and I once introduced to Robbie Savage. Yeah, what he happened? Enjoyed learning about that. Yeah. I sent him a text which had a link to dictionary.com. <laughs> Didn't get back to me. Uh, those of you who might be new to set piece menu may not know we talk about just one footballing subject until we've all agreed that there's very little on which to agree and the people doing the talking are as follows we've already mentioned Andy Hinchcliffe who would no doubt exchange each of his seven England caps just to have one episode of set piece menu in which we're slightly more respectful of him mm. oh well them's the breaks I'm Hugh Ferris who used to commentate on matches alongside Andy Hinchcliffe Steve Wyeth commentates on BT Sport alongside left backs with more caps than Andy Hinchcliffe and Rory Smith of the New York Times who comes from a fine pedigree of professional footballers who if they played at left back well you know the well, rest well, hold my, on my granddad was a left back oh he was a left back I for said Birmingham that City and Coventry was he any good uh, he played for mm. Birmingham City and Coventry he was a third <laughs> division south champion I'll have really? you know, in 1935 and 1936 yeah. how long were his shorts his shorts were enormous yes. but my favourite thing about my, about my granddad's career was that he was described as young fullback Bernard Smith at the age of 28. <laughs> Splendid. Does that, does 28 was young in the 30s was that the, when everything yeah, was black yes. and white. <laughs> was that the sort of the longevity of the career that, the, of career that a professional footballer had in them days? But you could have no, been going until 50 or 60. Yeah, Although yeah. the irony, of course, is that in the 30s, your life expectancy wouldn't have been much more than like 40. Having said that, though, that the short length would have gone over to cover mm. the knees, so you wouldn't have either had knee injuries, or even if you had had knee injuries, you wouldn't have been able so to So you're now saying a big pair of shorts stops you snapping your cruciate ligaments. Bloomers, yes. <laughs> absolutely right. Excellent. They yeah. needed to you ever thought about more. career in medicine? Chinch, they didn't have cruciate ligaments in the 30s. They didn't have no. them. In when the when did they come in then? Do you remember when they invented the, me- the metatarsal in, in, uh, in, in, in 2002? So people had feet. You just had feet that were made of just like one bone. <laughs> and then in 2006, they invented the metatarsal. I see. That's what happened. And in the same so way, the cruciate was actually invented in 1997 by Ronaldo. I thought mm. it was invented in 1996 by Andy Hinchcliffe. Did you, wow. When did you did first you do your When did I rupture my cruciate but play on for 20 minutes? <laughs> it was <laughs> under the advice. <laughs> oh, I can't mention Les Helm. <laughs> oh, I've done it. Yes, you're fine. Let's put a tuber grip on. Go back out again. Top work, Les. <laughs> Went back out there. Knee blew up. Next day, complete rupture of the anterior cruciate ligament. Brilliant work. So in the 30s, your, your cruciate ligament were basically just, just your knee. made of ceramic just or something. Knee. Yeah, or metal. Functioned very much like a piston. Uh, my granddad's uh, <laughs> half-time, his pre-match meal, cup of coffee and a steak. Uh, and his half coffee and a steak. Yeah, coffee's perked you up, steak to give you energy. This is true. And his half time break, cup of coffee and a cigarette. I was going to say, yes. Yeah, Superb. Because yeah. the players at Man City, when I was there as a youngster, there was some certain amount of Scottish players that were signed. And a few of them loved a half time fag. Mm. And I mean a smoke. <laughs> what was your, your granddad? Division 3 South champion. Yeah. Got promoted, then they sold him. Oh, did they sell people though? So just give them yeah, away. Yeah, no, no, they did. Yeah, they did. Yeah, this is the highest transfer fee they commanded. My, he was. A, they paid a thousand pounds for him. There you go. Four pounds. things. In th- what's, what's that with inflation? Do you reckon? Oh, millions. Ten and a half billions. billions. More than the three million pounds that Sheffield Wednesday paid for you, the highest transfer. Oh, fee but that was command. money well spent, wasn't it? That is true. Good lord, for the hundred games that I played for them. <laughs> wow. <laughs> with broken knees. Uh, two items of housekeeping before we move on. Please do continue to leave stars and reviews on iTunes. 
We're essentially incredibly vain and insecure and need everybody to tell us it's that we're amazing. It's the only point of reference we've got, really. Validator. Mm. That's true. It also means that, you know, if we send home those letters at Christmas where it shows what we've been done, we can just send a link to iTunes instead. Um, and the second thing is to continue to please do send in your questions. Hashtag Ask Chinch. That's hashtag Ask Chinch is all one word. And if you have any questions for Andy Hinchcliffe that you would like to ask him, and he will provide you with an answer in the form mm. of a soccer story. We have another soccer story to come oh. a little bit uh, later mm. on today. So, on to our subject, rather amusingly summed up by Steve on a text like this. Referees dot 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 WTF question mark. Immediately we'll try and put this um, into context and provide a disclaimer. We don't want to sound reactionary. We don't want to sound petulant. They are human beings. They have a very, very difficult job. That said, referees, WTF, question mark. Steve, what uh, prompted this fury inside of you? My issue with referees is I feel like football is essentially a simple game and the rules are pretty straightforward and self-explanatory. Are they not? Yes. With the exception of the offside rule, which I think <laughs> yeah. no one has ever really... Offside and handball, other than those two things, football, you can pretty much get on with it mm. and the rules sort themselves out. What you can and can't do, fairly self-explanatory. I can't help but feel that referees are guilty of something that we've talked about, managers slash head coaches during the season, of complicating it. Thinking almost too hard about a decision rather than making a decision which seems like the most obvious and acceptable one. Yes, I know there are certain rules regarding the strength of challenges or leaving the ground. You know, a player can win a challenge cleanly enough, but it can still be an illegal challenge because of excessive force or what have you. But I just get infuriated when I see a referee making a decision that would be difficult to justify to anybody whether they knew the rules of the game or not. Surely there is a better way, a more eyes open, common sense approach to decision making. So this is, do the referees simply need to improve or do they need help to be better referees? Because players do tend to cheat quite a lot these days, don't they? So is it harder to referee modern players who do lay on a bit thick? Is your Sean Dyche voice available today, Rory? It certainly is. It's always available. We, we, need, we need something along the lines of They've never played the game. They don't never understand it. Never played the it. game, never understand it. Although, did you notice that Sean Dyche complained <laughs> a few weeks ago about refereeing decisions despite getting a penalty when his own player handled the ball? <laughs> Tailed off a little there. <laughs> when a bit... Michael I was trying to remember what happened. Michael Crawford with a oh, cold. Oh, um, <laughs> No, yeah, so... I don't, I don't yeah. buy into that. They've never played the game. They don't understand it because most of them have been refereeing football for two decades before the they get anywhere, experience, isn't it? anywhere near the Premier games, League. Yeah. They've, they've absorbed and been aware of football for many, many years. So this, the fact that they've never yeah. played at the highest level is, is irrelevant. It's complete nonsense. They, they should know enough about the game to be able to make common sense. The one that infuriates me the most is the penalty for handball when the ball has struck the defender from two yards away off a flick or a deflection. There's nothing you can do about that. Mm. So this debate about was it deliberate handball or it's completely nonsense. Was his hand in an awkward position? Ridiculous. Unnatural position. The question the referee should be asking I could put my hand in a very unnatural (laughs) position, Rory, if you want me to. Can I ask Steve a question? Yeah. Uh, You watch a lot of foreign football. I do. From played by those foreigns. Uh, (laughs) Do you think the the foreigns referees are worse 
better or the same as the good-hearted Brexit Britain referendum. This is this is a Europe-wide problem. Okay, people in Italy, Spain, oh, having a go at Europe now. Even more so, Germany. And this to think season. that he didn't like us uh, making him sound like he was the grumpy one of the. Podcasts. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's a problem all over <laughs> Europe. And as for South American referendums, <laughs> oh, <goodness> me. Money's <laughs> <laughs> changing hands there. I'll have you know. Oh. <laughs> in Germany, in particular, this season they've complained about the the dipping standard of of refereeing and. I did a game, uh, an Italian game, featuring Milan this weekend, just gone, where the referee had four penalty decisions to make, and the only one that wasn't a penalty that he waved off was the only one that clearly should have been given. The other three were entirely dubious, and it would have been perfectly acceptable to him to say, that doesn't look like a penalty. It's not a penalty. So I think it is a Europe-wide problem. They're just not applying common sense with what they're seeing in front of them and perhaps thinking too hard about what is written in the rule book. So do you think we're just in a period of awful referees? <laughs> no, so that's nonsense, right? So that, that, that is a logical... Wait a minute, he went on for quite a while, you never said anything. I say one sentence and then, no, that's no, illogical. No, 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 no. Because it, Chin, you've, you've only you've played the game, I've been watching it for 20 ah, years. Chin, you've, into, in, you've, you've hit upon the key issue. I always it's, tend to do that, don't we, do. whatever we chat about. But the, the, uh, you do. <laughs> <laughs> when you say chat, you, you somehow become American. Chat. chat. <laughs> whatever we chat about. It's, um, you better cut that out, it might offend my employers. <laughs> no, I'm sure all generic Americans, or Jamericans, as I like to call them, will not be offended. Anyway, no, but you've hit upon the key issue there. That it's easy to say whether you consider it as just a, uh, just a British thing or a European thing, you, easy to say, oh, standards have dropped, the referees aren't as good. But if, as, if Steve's right and it is something that's happening all over Europe, then that clearly can't be right. It mm. can't just be that like, referees are, aren't like, born, not manufactured. Like, you're not born like, just a really gifted... I'm just, you know, he's, he's three, but he's really good at spotting a yellow card offence. <laughs> 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 nature, not nurture. Refereeing, I'm confident, is all about nurture. It's not nature. So were we, so, not, so, were we not saying these things five years ago, ten years yeah, ago, exactly. 15 years ago? So it's ago. not to do with the standard of the people doing it, it's yeah. to do with something else. And that's, I think that's the, key, the, the crux of the issue. So what is it then? I would say that you're quite right, and I'm not a voice of authority on any subject, mm. let alone this one, mm. but I'd say that you're quite right that the level of uh, simulation, theatricality, histrionics, whatever you want to call it, yep. from the players has made it much harder to be right. And it's also made it harder for the rules to be applied because they are basically being managed these rules to try and apply to mm. something which is very intangible. Yeah, so you've got the players not helping, you have the speed of the game, mm -hmm. which has made it much harder without question. Referees are like in their 40s, a lot of them are late 30s, early 40s, and you're, you're asking them to keep up with 21-year-olds in peak physical condition. Now, I happen to know that Mark Lattenberg, for example, uh, the best Saudi referee I've ever seen. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, he... he the referees have to keep their heart rate at a certain level a certain number of times a week to keep their fitness up. So they are they are tested, but there's a like a natural disadvantage yeah. there. Like if you take a, 40, a 42 year old man, he's not going to be as fit as a 22 year old man unless he's trained by Chinch's wife. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. That's the, true. So that that's a factor. The speed is a factor. The cheating or not cheating. The, the drama is a factor, and then the the messiness of the rules. Steve mentioned yeah. offside and handball. You, I think you can throw in tackling to an extent. Now I don't I don't really know every time when a free kick is given or a booking is given or a red card shown which bit of tackling it's kind of con which rule about tackling it's contravened we've made it so much harder for the referees and the thing that really that really grinds my gears is that pretty much everybody in football including the authorities accept that we need video technology we need some sort of assistance they need help the referees need help 
uh, both physical and psychological. Uh, and, <laughs> and yet, every time, every week that there's a controversial decision, we all scream at the referees and we indulge managers and they're whinging at referees. We let them make, make scapegoats with this sort of Trumpy and subtlety and lack of sophistication. It's absolutely transparent and we, we, we're all party to it. We're all kind of encouraging it and acquiescing to it. It's complete... It really irritates me. I think we should. We, I would happily see either managers not be allowed to talk about referees after games, or the media self-censor to remove all of those comments and just say this is clearly rubbish. But the, the the logical fallacy is that we all accept the referees need help, and yet without it, we still tell them that they're useless. We know that they they can't do the job properly, so allow them to do it as best they can and accept they will make mistakes until we solve the problem. Accept the foibles of a referee as being human. I understand that, and I think we're all going to accept that video technology is going to come in so that we can't all say, well, it would be so much better if there's video technology. It's coming, so we can we can accept that Relax. as a matter of fact. Relax, everybody. Between now and then, shout as much as you like, but then stop. <laughs> There'll be something else to shout about. There, then, there the robots else. are biased. Manchester United will have an in with the artificial intelligence, won't they? <laughs> they, they will be programming the robot. Yeah. They will have they'll, a robot. No, they'll choice. be like their commercial partner, their official <laughs> robotic <laughs> yeah. partner. Uh, there, are, there are other clubs in the Premier League that do have that. Um, referees are used as a scapegoat, and they're used as a scapegoat by fans who are looking to try and find a reason for mm-hmm. defeat, and they don't want to either just accept that their team wasn't as good, or they don't want to lay into a player that they have either previously supported vehemently, or alternatively they don't want to call mm-hmm. call out one of their own players, which is understandable because that's what how loyalty works. But but scapegoating a referee it, is almost you're right, is permitted by the way that they are talked about by Mm -hmm. managers and sometimes players. Would you genuinely get rid of the scapegoating of a referee by a fan if the manager and players didn't talk about it? Because my my cynicism suggests not. So in Chinch's great wisdom, he said that we talked about this five years ago, ten years ago, fifteen years ago. When you were playing, what was Mm. your view of referees? The referees could always be used as an excuse for your own failings in many ways, because referees... Yeah, they do. And referees do get a lot right, and they do get a lot, but it's very easy to at the end of a game to try and kid yourselves or kid your teammates or kid the fans that the ref- that refereeing decision cost us that ball came off one of their players for a throw in on the halfway line that's why yeah. they scored I fa- it's just amazing it's just incredible it's, it is it is and that's why I'm very careful now working is I always try and understand or try and understand or put yourself in the referee's shoes to say why but it's hard on certain occasions you, you just cannot see what they have seen but I'm not sure about the physical side of the game whether I'm sure they do keep up well with the game I feel but it just seems to be those but decisions the, is, the harder it gets yeah but a lot of the decisions that are made it's, it's very rare for the referee to be well out of the picture maybe mm. gets obscured with players running across his that, that's not his fault but also if you're more tired you're yeah, less, yeah, your yeah. judgment's less likely to be perfect yeah. so, so how do we so how do we there's got to be a better way of doing it. If we want a fair reflection of the 90 minutes, we have to do something, don't you we? Know we could dogs. start a movement. <laughs> Not a bowel movement, a refereeing <laughs> movement in this country. You know, what should we do? You know sniffer dogs? I do know sniffer dogs. You know the dogs. concept of the sniffer dog? You're gonna how stupid a, do you think I am? So you're going to train a dog to referee a football. That's you're extraordinary. Train a dog to see a, to see a foul, and then the, the dog would bark. <laughs> yeah. Tintin, what's that? That's a foul on the halfway line. What? Quick. I think you thought it was Snowy, not Tintin. Tintin was, was the human. Dog. Tintin no, Rin Tintin. No, you said Tintin. You said Tintin. Did I? Yeah. He was the boy. 
He was the. He was a man. He was a man. He wasn't a man. Tintin. He maybe wasn't his vision of a man. Tintin was a man. He was a grown man. How old was he meant to be? He was allowed to travel the world. Yes, but he had people with him. He had a boyish head. The Thompson twins weren't they in it as well? Captain. Was he truly a man? Non-legal guardian. How old do you think he was? Yeah, the relationship between Tintin and Captain Haddock was. Whoa, 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 we're getting way off point <laughs> here. By Tintin, probably. Yeah, How possibly, old was yeah. Tintin? I would suggest that he was in his late 20s, early 30s. It was one Early 30s, Tintin? Yeah. 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 This, is, this is a man who has his own responsibilities. It's he owns his own pet, for God's it's sake. It's not Tintin's what was, job. Is it Hergé? What was he thinking? To perform his gender for you, Chinch, to meet your, your expectations. <laughs> and that's extraordinary. I always thought he was bear a small boy. In, bear in mind, Hugh is in his mid-30s and has the wispish it's upward true. curl on his hair. Yeah, but so he's, losing, he's losing that, Stephen. That's wearing off very quickly. Going into so, referee. No, I mean, the, obviously, what you could do is introduce video technology, and, and Hugh says it's coming. But I think that the, the fact that when you were playing, the referees were a scapegoat, as you say, for fans, for managers, for players yeah. as well. That is, has always been a thing about football. Yeah. We have always said, oh, the referee should have done this. The famous chant about the referee, which actually you never really hear anymore, the well, one about the, the man wearing black, <laughs> doesn't work because he's wearing luminescent green. <laughs> yes. I do like that you don't know what you're doing. That, that's, quite a, yeah. that's quite a put down, isn't it? Yeah. For someone who's that's refereeing. They're saying, actually, you can't referee very well. That'd be, oh, that'd be awful, wouldn't it? Imagine saying that to me. You, you, you sure? can't play at all. Are you sure they're not, they've, not turned and, they've not turned and looking at the gantry? Oh, here we go. He baited me again. Being Terrible. Being, being the other, do you know what the other thing? That, the other thing that doesn't help <laughs> referees. You, you've mentioned about sort of managers coming out and speaking about them after the game. The thing that you think increasingly now is former referees who I felt previously gave you an interpretation of the laws without being mm-hmm. critical of their successors, and now increasingly having a pop. At current referees, one of them I saw this season, Keith Hackett, had a sort of mid-season report on the Premier League referees in one of the broadsheet newspapers. Is he, not, he, is he mar- not the overseer? He was. No, he, yeah, was. He, was. he was. He was. Okay. We gave them all a mark out of ten in a sort of like two-paragraph critique of their pros and cons and some of them he was really scathing about that can't be helping them can it because those those guys you know Howard Webb Keith Hackett Dermot Halsey, Gallagher, Gallagher yeah, Paul they, they all know how difficult it was to do the job yeah. and, and now they're being hypercritical of those mm. who, are, who are currently doing it under even greater scrutiny than they were and they all got really hacked off with being criticised from the outside yeah. and yet they're, they're, they're poachers turned gamekeepers but isn't that, it's ridiculous isn't that quite cathartic if you're a fan watching on a Monday morning whether it's Ref Watch with Dermot Gallagher or you've got a Ref watching Watch it's like Watch, you just watch clips in the weekend and hope a mole appears um, no I was assuming you, you like saw the refs in their natural habitat <laughs> <laughs> building a nest <laughs> one of those nighttime cameras on, on, on like Bobby <laughs> Madley's set on the set like a bad yeah. On black and white, on, on Anthony Taylor's stag do, just watching him amongst his natural. They habitat. haven't got TB though, have they? <laughs> referees now? No, I think but we are. We are advocating a call, aren't we? Go on, carry on. If you're a fan and you're watching that and you feel wronged, this is an opportunity for a legitimate, recent former referee to say that should have been a yellow card, that should have been a red card, that should have been disallowed, that should have been a goal. And so you're watching that and you, you get a sense of relief by seeing that actually what you thought was wrong was indeed yeah. wrong. But they used to do it in a way in which they accepted why the referee had made that decision at the time. They maybe gave them the benefit of the, the doubt that they were slightly unsighted or that, you know, at full speed it was difficult. But they don't give them that benefit of the doubt anymore. They just, they're, they're critical of the referee's performance. Mm. And so, no, you should have done that. That's the decision you should 
should have made instead. You really, you really see them now saying, well, fair play, you got nine out of the ten difficult decisions in the game correct, but perhaps here, you know, he erred on the side of caution when he shouldn't have done. They just steam straight in and they're highly critical of people who are doing the job that they used to do. It might be cathartic, but so is like screaming in people's faces in the street doesn't I mean you should do it like if there's if there's <laughs> especially in a, in a nice neighbourhood like this where Andy lives I don't you just don't see people well. around here though it's yeah. very exclusive yeah. plus by uh, the time you've walked all the way down to the gatehouse you're so exhausted <laughs> to scream yeah. <laughs> no, you, just because something's cathartic doesn't make it right yes okay but that sometimes you need the catharsis obviously because you feel wronged and that's that's how you feel if you're a fan and you've watched something and you feel like you are right and they are wrong and they are in the, the position of power made the decision you feel that you need some sort of recourse and, and one of the points that I'd like to add to the debate is that sometimes, and I, I do not expect this to change, but sometimes you wonder if playing on the big screens at Stadia, a controversial decision to prove that the referee has got something right mm. because otherwise the fans will have this latent feeling that then builds and mm-hmm. each each decision that they feel is wrong having not seen a replay knowing that it's right is built and building block building blocks and building blocks and building mm-hmm. blocks and they get absolutely furious and of course they, they, they then scapegoat the referee and sometimes the referee is subjected to the most disgraceful abuse not that necessarily they get into the game thinking that won't happen but Surely there's an opportunity for the counter-argument to be made and for some of that scapegoating to be nipped in the bud. Well, this is why I'm thinking, is it, is it right or is it, is it the right thing to do to spotlight the referees like we do and they have a former referee come on and look at analyse all these decisions because again what it's doing normally it was the referee would referee the game they talk about the players or what happened in the mm-hmm. game they didn't say I tell you what we're going to take the referee out of this and we're going to scrutinise him yeah. to the max and then if you give him say a 3 out of 10 the next game he referees the two sets will be th- fans will be thinking right anything that goes wrong today we're going to have a field day here so I'm not sure what should we be putting referees up there to be scrutinised no. as, as strongly as no, we are at the moment, no. Not if we accept, that, as everybody does, that they need some sort of robotic slash canine assistant. <laughs> because we know that they're going to make mistakes. So it just seems really unfair to say, right, we know they're going to make mistakes. But when they do make them, we're going to massively criticise them anyway, mm. just as that's what we do. I think that there, is, that there is a construct. And what Hugh says about the catharsis of blaming the referee from the fans, the manager, the players, there's a construct around the referee that's become a crutch for everybody. And we need to kick, we need to kick it away. We need to say, look... These are, these are men who do a pretty good job, all told. They get some decisions, decisions wrong. Maybe they're getting more wrong, but there are other factors to that that's causing that. Let's not allow that to be the only... There are times when it feels like that's all we ever talk about, yeah. is our referees... There's this... Yeah. just referees endlessly, and you just sort of think, look... <laughs> like this podcast. They're paid... <laughs> yeah, but we're taking... We're, we're discussing the issue in the yeah, round. Yeah, yeah. It was just, it was just amusing... They're the paid 70 it. grand a year. That's a lot of money, 70 grand a year, but it's not, you know, let me spit in your face money, is it? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's not enough to... In, and not within the business you. in which they work. Yeah, it's not enough to inoculate you against all that. It, uh, if you said to me, I'll pay you 70 grand a year to be streamed at once a week and have everybody around around you, your co- your work colleagues, basically blame you. And loads of people, as Steve said, who used to do your job, say that you're rubbish at it. I wouldn't take it. Not a chance. What are the things that that referees are accused of is some of them is having an ego, which means that they tend to like the focus upon them. You mm. mentioned about the fact that it should be a discussion about the players. Yes. Well, sometimes it's discussion yeah, of the referee yeah, because yeah. the referee um, plays his own part in that. 
And so how do you try and counter that? Because if somebody is playing up their own role exactly. and making decisions perhaps that um, are either flamboyant in the way that they physically display them or alternatively thinking about how best I am to be perceived, then well, that's not going to help, is it? But that sort of brings it back round to the point I initially made in that I don't feel like they're helping themselves. You're quite right. We, it would be great if at the end of the game you could take the referee out of the equation and analyse the game through the prism of accepting that they've got a very, very difficult job that really needs technological assistance, which currently isn't available to them. But that's why I feel like if they focused on that, the, the common sense principle, and perhaps the rules allowed them to do that, at the end of the game, as a football spectator, or as a commentator, or as a fan, I wouldn't mind if I felt like the referee had got the decision wrong, but that there were reasons for it. He was unsighted or that he was trying to apply logic Human to the situation. Yes. Yeah. What infuriates me is when they're getting decisions wrong where 95% of people would have the opposite view of, of them. And, that, and I, I, I referenced the, the ham, you know, handball in the penalty area from point blank range to your opponent as being a perfect example of that well you might if that if it was your team on the attack yes you are screaming for the penalty you want the penalty but you'd very quickly I'm sure most people would be able to put yourself in the position of it happening at the other end of the field and accept do you know what I really want that penalty but I tell you what if it was given at the other yeah, end yeah, of the field, I'd be absolutely furious mm. so if referees were making their decisions based on those principles not playing up to the camera in terms of the way they take the ball is it Mike Dean who takes the ball off the plinth in this massive sort of theatrical way which immediately makes him what are you doing or that they don't sort of stride around the pitch as though you know they are the focus of the game then you would forgive them for mistakes but it, because they're, they're, you feel like their judgment is being clouded by all the rules and regulations that's what infuriates me so much about it mm. and I, I don't think they are being helped by the rules and if, if, you, if referees were allowed to referee the, the game as, as they saw it and they made that clear to players of both teams beforehand you know like pushing and shoving in a penalty area at set pieces mm. is a good example if you're a referee who won't stand for any of that you've been into both dressing rooms beforehand to explain that to the two sets of players well then they could have no argument if a penalty is given the first time it happens but if that's not something that you clamp down on as a referee and you haven't made that clear to the players beforehand then you, you can't immediately start yeah, giving yeah. penalties for pushing and shoving I'd almost have that advice written down on a piece of paper yeah. and distributed to the press beforehand yeah. so that they to the know to two managers to the two dressing rooms to the press gonna this is how I'm refereeing the game today even put it up on the big yeah. screen in the stadium saying these are the things these are the talking points of the referee uh, to the two captains but one of the other frustrating things um, certainly if you're watching a game and you're, you're trying to apply what you said mm. Steve about the common sense yeah. approach is that when referees almost for fear of making the wrong decision, don't make a decision yeah. at all, and in doing so, are making the wrong decision. So is, that, is, is there an element now that referees are so aware of the kind of criticism that they're going to get, and they are almost preempting that yeah. by, yes. by not making a decision, because they feel like that's the lesser evil? They're totally and utterly overanalyzed referees, both by all of us, and by yeah. fans, and by the whole kind of football and, and industrial <laughs> complex, but also by... PGMOL, the body that oversees okay. them, the 
the like the breakdown they have to do the referees after a game is insane. It's absolutely insane. And have, you, have you interviewed a referee? Have you spoken to a, a not, referee in recent years? They won't or? talk on the re- on the record about it. Have, but you, no, have you, you spoken yeah, informally? Yeah. And how do they see the job that they do? Is it very like Steve says? Is it dependent on their personality, or do you think they all see it in a similar kind of way? Do, do they want things to change? Do they think they need help? I think. Or? Yeah. The, I mean, I, I wouldn't claim to have spoken to every referee. No. But the I think that there is an acceptance among the referees that I get the impression that video technology is about time. I think there's a lot of frustrations with the bureaucracy, which is ironic because yeah. I think that part of the reason none of us like nobody likes referees is just we kind of they're, they're, referees are kind of the football embodied. If football is an escape from your life, the referee encapsulates all of the little tiny bureaucratic frustrations of your life. They're the traffic warden who's given you a ticket. There's the, they're the policeman who's pulled you over because you've got a. a tail light out they're all these little the estate the, agents the bureaucrat who has to go through the red tape and yeah, provide everything on a form before and not give you a net you've yeah, obviously been so out in your car today haven't you all, yeah, <laughs> have, yeah with, with its broken lights and, it's, <laughs> and I've parked in the wrong place anyway the no that's not true my car is just very dirty uh, <laughs> that, yeah so I think within ref, within the refereeing fraternity which yeah. is what, what what it officially is rather than a body there is a a frustration that we all feel as well but equally there is a sense or that maybe they are not given kind of the benefit of the doubt in a way that they should be given the context the but it does depend on personalities and if, funny if you sp- i'm very protective of referees but if you speak to people who talk to them there's quite a lot of the referees who probably aren't very nice mm. or if not quite a lot a handful of the referees who you have heard of do not have great reputations within the game this is my point about the ego driven yeah. nature of it it's a very easy criticism to to lay at their door but sometimes it is of their well, own is that view. is that something they have to surround themselves yeah. with yeah. To, yeah. Do, to just to do the job but then if you're having to do that because of outside influences you're not refereeing it's yourself how, are you becoming how many, how many footballers mm. that are abused because they're the kind of footballer that people have taken to be the the anti-hero, the villain, the, the pantomime villain. How many footballers like that have mm. developed a football? Oh, you have field, to absolutely. That's what which, I'm saying. Is it any different for referees? Might not Probably necessarily not. make them the nicest person, but no. they've had to to build it around. But them. then the worrying thing is, if you surround yourself with that kind of image and then go out onto the field and referee in that image. It's very dangerous. You have to virtually get every decision right because everything you get wrong, they'll say it's an egotistical referee refereeing the mm. game for himself and not thinking about the greater good of the game. Players should surely be almost utterly indifferent to referees. They shouldn't have an opinion about mm. the personality of the referee. If they are astute, they should perhaps be aware of, of what that that referee's particular style of officiating is and they might think oh we've got uh, we've got Mark Clattenburg today he's really sharp on two-footed challenges so I'm going to take it a little bit easier or you know we've got Bobby Madley today you know he's unforgiving with handball decisions so you know I'm going to make sure I keep my hands down by my side if I'm jumping in my own penalty area but that should really be the extent to which players are, affa- are aware of individual referees having a sort of opinion about their personality or having a like or there a was, dislike towards them. There was much more of a, a relationship between the players and the referees back in my day um, they weren't seen as someone I, I think we had more respect for them I don't think players have any respect for referees think, think at some, all some try and strike up a relationship if, you, yeah. if you're talking about players who are English share the language um, respected within the game a, a name comes to mind I remember watching um, a warm up for a game involving Chelsea mm-hmm. and John Terry spent a lot of time with a referee there was laughing there was joking it's all part of the process if they're clever and they're sensible yeah, they yeah. do build a relationship now it might be a cynical one is it to, to, to earn something from but there is still that, there is yeah. still that yeah. basis of what you mentioned yeah, yeah, about yeah. having a respect for the referee yeah, yeah. how did the referee address you while you were playing 
Me personally? Mm-hmm. I what can't tell you what you? they called me. I, I, what would they call? I can't even remember. A number three? They, they, when they, they did say the number? Not necessarily. They'd, they'd, if they needed to speak to you, they'd come over and speak to you. So there's yeah. nothing really... But now you see referees mouthing the Christian names of the yeah, players as well. Because they maybe know the cameras. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, so whether this is I think no. they're told... That, that I think that's a management technique that they've been been, that has ah. been introduced deliberately. Mm. That they have to have this... That, there's two other structural problems with refereeing. One, you touched on earlier, which is common sense. This idea was got a common sense. Totally agree. Except you can't have common sense and consistency. And if you get a referee applying common sense, he's criticised for being inconsistent. If you get a referee being consistent, he's criticised for not applying common sense. That we, we as a country need to get to the root of that debate. Like a, a reckless tackle, which wins the ball cleanly. Yeah. If it's reckless... It doesn't matter if yes. you win the ball game. Yes. I take yes. your point to an extent, but surely a referee who is applying their common sense approach to the game would be consistent in their decisions. It might be a lack of consistency between yeah, referees or across different games. Which is the issue with, with Steve mentioned pulling shirts on the box. That, so Mike Dean, who is the, the sort of the bet noir of the football world this season, Mike Dean had that game at Stoke where he gave lots of penalties for pulling shirts in the box. And rightly so. He'd been given a directive saying there's to be no more pulling of shirts in the box. And then he's criticised and they get rid of it. And you sort of think you... you, you but the pulling shot. of shirts in the box, within the laws... Yeah, it's it, not allowed. It's not allowed. So, so you can't say, well, we're going to apply it for this period of time and then we'll forget about it. But they it literally just applied it for that game. But, but yes. getting rid of it is, is the bigger mistake there. It's not yeah. sticking with it. Yes, so, exactly. So, yes, you stick yes, with yes. it and eventually the players learn... Well, I, I, I did a game down at Brighton where the referee, as you said, yes, went to a couple of the players yeah. and told them, I think it was a, a Newcastle... Uh, defensive corner he told them I'm going to be on the lookout for, for pushing and shoving and holding of, of the opposition players and lo and behold one of them got hold of Glenn Murray and a penalty was given yeah. so the referee had to tell them but the law is the law he shouldn't have to say anything should he if he sees a shirt pull you either give a penalty or you but don't you have to train, remind there's teams that train to grab, grab hold strikers do do this yes of course but the referee should he be reminding defenders oh by the way don't put your arms around a centre forward because that's the, the laws of the game you get punished for that maybe or maybe not but we shouldn't then be criticising him no no absolutely not no. it. yeah but it's crazy that they have have case of Mike Dean, I hope we don't criticise him. No, no, and in the case of Mike Dean, the PGMOL should be saying, do you know what, well done Mike, you've, yeah. you've applied this directive correctly, now let's hope, let's get everybody else to do it, you will get a week, a week where there's loads of penalties, but we, which is a... But were they, blaming we Mike Dean, were, they, were they blaming Mike Dean for giving the penalties, he or for Ryan Shaw, or whatever it was, no, no. giving away the penalties? It's always the, the referee, referee got, He it? got blamed for giving, making but, the correct decision. And that turns back to your point you're saying about that was driven by the manager's post-match reaction yeah. to it, saying that, that shouldn't be given, and then all the fans say, well, it shouldn't be given, when in fact you're right, it should, should be given. And they should have stuck with it, and regardless you don't have thing of what anybody said. Where everybody says, "Oh, well, you can't, you can't." I think you said this the yes, other day. Yes, yes, yes. People always say, oh, "You can't have that happen." You'll get six yeah. penalties a game. So, but yeah, we I was speaking to well, a former player who said that to me. I said, "Well, we'll get six penalties then, because if a yeah. foul is a fa- six fouls are six fouls, is making that's the point of the game, isn't it?" Weren't we told at the start of the season when we were told that referees would be stamping down on this that, well the minute that a penalty is given for it that'll be the end of it players will stop pulling shirts but because referees haven't been mm, yeah. across the board in enforcing that regulation then it hasn't stopped and we're still having this Didn't debate they do this with diving as three quarters diving of the way through, of a, the, through the season they played, they played a game of chicken and they, yeah. they, they pulled their car away about 100 metres before the, the, the <laughs> car came in the opposite direction we should have seen loads of penalties for shirt pulling at corners mm. in August and September and we wouldn't be having this debate now but they said which again comes back to this you know Rory mentioned sort of common sense and consistency and where's the where's the the, the right line in that well if you know if at the start of the season those decisions had been enforced it would have 
So what? So what can we do if you're so infuriated by this? And all fans are infuriated. Just by wait this. for and video managers. technology. And is, just is that is hold that the is that then. the cure all? If we have <laughs> video technology, no. Just that? so many of those decisions yeah. are still debatable. So mm. you can have a fourth a fourth official unless you have a a ref dog. That's the that's the. Which which is thing with the sniffer dogs. Best ref idea. Dog. What, how is that going to work? You're going to have to make sure you get this painting in really quickly. By it's already in. Don't worry. I'm not stupid. <laughs> I'm both consistent and applied common sense. Wouldn't you call it a rougherie? And on that note, it's good night. If somebody hasn't painted with that by about 20 minutes of of this podcast being released to the world. You're shaking your head. That's amazing. amazing. You're coming up with a really sensible idea for the future of refereeing, and you've just shot it down, Ferris. What do you think? Shot it down with my mind. All said, all said, he's lost his thread I'm now. Gone. All I'm lost his gone. thread. That was your fault. You, you were making a sensible point before no, you, you diverted out. into I'm the world of creativity. I'm I said, was it cure or video technology? No, yeah, loads of decisions will always be contentious. So even if you get a, refer- a fourth official with a video screen and lots of replays, how many times do you, do you, do you, can, you can you watch a replay without being certain? You, there's certain decisions that are always going to be problematic. What we can do as a football culture is accept that. Because I suppose we can't have, even if you have two or three people watching every decision, you'd have to do it every single game, whether it's televised or not, to get the game fair across yeah, the board. And, and, no, and no sports that have introduced video technology prior to football eventually doing it mm. have a video referee deciding everything. No, not ev- any, everything. Not yeah. any sport is mm. capable of... A, blanket application of video technology it just won't work no. so we, we, we've solved the problem in that case let's uh, move on shall we to uh, never mind Jack and Ori what a soccer story this is when Andy finishes off the, the podcast and wraps it up and puts a nice little bow on it probably gets Nicky to do that actually because <laughs> probably can't wrap presents either um, telling us a, a tale from his playing days that has had all adult behaviour and libel worthy details removed I was at Everton Doing a, doing a damn fine job at Everton yes. but Sheffield Wednesday Ron Atkinson he, he knew his stuff Ron and he was willing to pay three million pounds for my services three, three million, million pounds. pounds how much would that be worth these days three million pounds <laughs> I so. so I got invited to uh, Ron's house to discuss terms that's weird it's not really is it is I didn't have they, an agent, you see. Is that how they agent. used to do it? Back in the day. Back in the day. They did it in service stations, didn't they? But, and I was, a bit, I was a bit unsure about how this... Uh, this Because I've never been to a manager's house. I've never been to tell my own manager's house. house. Tell, tell me about his house. It was awesome. I would, I would this is Sutton Coldfield. I'm not going to the address. I'll give you the address or postcode. But it was... And what he used to do as well, he had like a, like a, um, a balcony or a decking area uh, with a, a bag of golf clubs. And there was like a, a, a forest or like a wood at the bottom of his garden. And he just used to tank golf balls... <laughs> Like they do off in movies set in Los Angeles. Yeah, what do you do? But I used to like doing it. So anyway, that's that's not the story. That's not the story. Because I am a big fan of chocolate bars, as you well know. So turn up at Ron's pad. Uh, we go into his massive living room with his massive television. So we're having a chat about the deal, you know, cash and that type of thing, length of contract, all that type of thing. And I hadn't seen uh, Mrs. Atkinson anywhere on the premises up to this point so Ron and I are chatting on the leather chaise long and uh, separate ones not together and then the door opens is everybody feeding you grapes from above? Uh, yes the door opens and I have never seen a plate of Kit Kats as big as the one Mrs Atkinson brought how many people she thought she was catering for it was it was a pile a pile. It wasn't as if she just got a pack of Kit Kats and opened them and put them on a plate. It was talking, mountainous. Are we talking two finger or four? 
It might have been both. But it, she came staggering under the weight of Kit Kats. <laughs> was it higher than a Ferrero Rocher? It was tower? how it, it must have been glued. There's no way. There's no way. <laughs> so there's a structure underneath and she just glued one. Her, she had a gold lame cat suit on with this big and I thought, oh my Christmas is put once here. You're Sorry bearing for, the lead there. Gold lame cat suit. Gold lame cat suit. She looked absolutely it was extraordinary this plate of Kit Kats. And I would have I would have just signed there and then, wouldn't I? Just give me the Kit Kats and I'll sign for you. But then he there was I think it was a Sunday that I was chatting to him and there was um I think there was a Spanish game on or go, going to be coming on in about 10 or 15 minutes so we're chatting away for about an hour and I'm thinking he's you know it's because he's great he's, and he said um you'll have to go now because there's a there's a game coming on and I went ha good one Ron thinking you want more of the chinch don't you and he went, <laughs> no seriously you're gonna have to go now because there's a and it was like Osasuna against some other Getafe or someone who cares about that when you're talking to me but he I got bundled out of his house so he could watch a Spanish football did, match did you get to take a, a Kit Kat no I'd get, I felt bad I couldn't take him with me couldn't fill my pockets with Kit Kats <laughs> melted <laughs> melted so you were discussing this contract what 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 happened if you had to leave did you actually get a well the discussions were made but there was deadline day was approaching <gasps> so was jim white wearing a golden tie he always wears a golden tie even when he's in the bath <laughs> <laughs> he was narrating this moment yes from the i can hear his voice i can hear room. his voice did i sign did i not sign <gasps> is there enough in this to make another soccer story i think there is actually no it's just google but but there is there is enough material that you could you yeah, could but do on Google. You don't part. get the background. You don't get the background. Okay, yeah, so what yeah. we're going to do? We're going to we're going to stop it here. Right. We're going to put a, a big sign saying "to be concluded," mm-hmm. and we will have another soccer story in the future. That is the Ron Atkinson Kit Kat Party <laughs> Part Two. Kit Kat Party. Kit That's Kat technically party. what it was. That's what with I think three I, people and thirty Kit Kats. If I ever, oh no, it's more than thirty. <laughs> more if than I ever owned a racehorse, I might call it Ron Atkinson's Kit Kat Party. That's what I don't know. That's a, a good name, isn't it? Yeah, but it wasn't even a play. It was like you know those like you a, bring a goose on, like a salver. Salver, it was. Yeah. Uh, it was extraordinary. Oh, Kit Kats. So next time I host set piece menu, it's just a big tray of Kit Kats and a pot of tea in the middle of the table. And Katie will be wearing a gold lame cat suit. She does have a cat suit. Okay, this is getting a bit too much adult um, do keep your ask chinch questions coming in by the way hashtag ask chinch uh, we'll do more of them soon uh, send them to at set piece menu on twitter um, and once again here's the housekeeping do subscribe share and continue to please review us as much as you can uh, and do indeed also to continue to find room for us in your podcast schedule follow us on twitter too at set piece menu that's where you send your ask chinch questions as well thank you to steve rory and andy and Nikki, particularly Nikki, and to you for listening as well. We'll be back with another set piece menu for you to enjoy very, very soon indeed. You know, I am a qualified referee, by the way. Are I was you? speaking what? from a position of authority throughout, you know. You should have told us that. Is that Why didn't you mention how that? you start? Because, no, because I thought, you know, I just wanted it to be so a, a, a level playing field. When did you qualify? Yeah. Did you uh, have a beat at th- uh, 14, maybe? Did you? Yeah. I used to... Uh, 30 um, years ago? <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? I know everybody's and your age. And, <laughs> you, and you know what? I'm still qualified. They never, they, they when was the last match you refereed? That was probably about 25 years ago. And who was it? What no, happened? No. You must remember it. I know. I, I, I used to. Uh, there was some local teams in my area who were always without a referee, and yeah. um, I just did it to earn a bit of extra money. It was a good way of earning, earning money on a Saturday morning. I'm you'd fascinated get, by the psychology of kids who become referees at 14. You, you were already qualified to be a fifth official in UA for level tournaments. Yeah, I could be that. I could be uh, Michel Platini, additional assistant referee behind the goal. Additional man. assistant referee too. It's like being third tree in the nativity. Yeah, players. but we could all do that. They don't make any decisions, do they? You could get anybody to no, do that job.